Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'd love to have you take out your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8 um, <clears throat> is where we have been over the last couple of weeks, and we're just going to, this is kind of our summer series, not doing anything fancy, just kind of moving through um, <clears throat> these two chapters, Matthew 8 and 9, and just looking at these healing stories of Jesus. But be, before we get to the text, I, I want to say uh, a couple of things. Like, first off, wow, did you hear how happy they were that the service went an hour long. I just wanted to note that. Thank you, guys. That's like every preacher's dream, right? It's like, hey, the worship service went an hour over. It was awesome. So <clears throat> just tuck that one away. Um, but also, uh, today's July 2nd. How about that? July 2nd. You know what that means? You know what that means? That means... 2023 is over halfway over. How about that? How about that? Is that like exciting or is that, did I hear it groan, a little bit of a sigh from somewhere in the room? A hundred, I think it, I have it here, uh, 183 days are behind us in 2023 and 182 days are ahead of us. And so, um, just like Reuben was saying about birthdays are kind of this, this moment to just kind of stop and reflect. I think we need lots of moments like that, uh, moments to just kind of say, okay, like, how's it going? And, and so as we're like halfway through the year, I think it's a good moment to just like stop and say, okay, how, how's it going? Like, how have the last six months of my life been? Um, it's a reflection point. And, and I think, yeah, I think that can be helpful to say, Wow, what have I prioritized over the last six months of my life? Am I happy with the things that I have prioritized, the way that I have spent my time? You ever think about that phrase? Time is the most valuable commodity in the world. Your, your time and your attention, there is nothing more valuable than that. Do you, do you believe that? How many of you think you would rather be in Warren Buffett's position and have a hundred and some billion dollars? He's one of the most valuable human beings in the world, like given like his net worth, right? He's got over $100 billion. Now, how many of you would trade places with Warren Buffett today? He gets your bank account and you get his, $100 billion. Anybody going to take that? You don't have to raise your hands. But here's the thing. If you do that, you also get Warren Buffett's timeline. He's 92 years old. Is there anybody going to take $100 billion and a 92-year-old body and timeline? Probably not. What, what, what does that mean? That means that whatever the distance is between your age and 92 is, is worth more than $100 billion. Isn't that crazy? Time. Like your time, your life, your attention. And, and so for, like, for us this morning to look back at the last six months of our life and say, what have I prioritized? How have I spent my time? Because time can be invested in things that are, are valuable and have eternal value, or time can be wasted. And there are plenty of, of ways to just like waste our time, but we're all spending it. We're all choosing what we do with it. And the good news is, whether we look back on the last six months of our life and we celebrate to say, like, wow, like, God has done amazing things, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the last six months of my life. Or we look back, and we like, I need a course correction. 
I need to actually prioritize the things that I think are most valuable. And I need to invest time in things that, that I know are more important. Whether it's a celebration or a course correction, the good news is that today is a new day. Right? Today's a new day. And like you have this moment and this day to, to like reorient your life, that today does not need to be like yesterday, that the good news of Jesus is that he offers us fresh starts and new beginnings, and just like the sun rises every single day, we have new opportunities to walk with him and be faithful to him. So um, I think like coming into, into worship and especially hearing the testimonies of, of the young people uh, of what God is doing, I, I hope it renews a sense of, of faith and inspiration to follow Jesus, to, to invest our time in him and life with him. So on that note, let's read our text for this morning. Matthew chapter 8, verses 18, uh, sorry, 14 to 17. Okay, here, here is the, the teaching text for today. Now when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. She got up and began to wait on him. Now when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Now Matthew tells us then that this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And then he quotes Isaiah 53. He says, he will take up our infirmities and, or he, excuse me, took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. This is the word of the Lord. So the couple of, couple of verses, right? Just again, this powerful story of just like, wow, like Jesus is so awesome. He's so amazing that Jesus um, is able to just like, heal Peter's mother-in-law. Now, how many of you knew Peter was married? Is that like a surprise to anybody? Like, I honestly, it was probably five years ago when I was like, wait a second, Peter was married. I just pictured all these disciples like being single people or whatever. I don't know if you've watched The Chosen, a TV series. They do a great job of, of showing this, depicting this. But yeah, like the apostle Peter was married. Um, in fact, there's this, this verse that kind of confirms this in, in 1 Corinthians 9, where the Apostle Paul is speaking, and he says, hey, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do other apostles, and the Lord's brother, and Cephas? And Cephas is just another name for Peter. So it's like, apparently, Peter was married. Maybe you knew that already. Uh, but so Peter's mother-in-law, his wife's mother, was maybe living with them at their house there in Capernaum, and she was sick. Like, she is she's in bed, and she has this fever, and apparently it's pretty severe. Like, she's She's helpless. She can't get rid of her fever. Um, it's not like she can take some Motrin and, and, you know, bring her fever down or whatever. Like, she's, she can't do anything for herself. She's helpless. And so Jesus, and I love how simple this is. She's laying in bed. She has a fever. And, and verse 15 is like, he touched her hand, and the fever left her. I mean, that's pretty cool, isn't it? It's just like, he, he didn't have to, like say anything special. He didn't have to, like, do anything special. Like, there was no formula. It was just like, Jesus touched your hand, boom, fever was gone. The fever didn't put up a fight. It was just gone. I think this is, this is so amazing. Like, Jesus, he, um, and you think about, like, the mission of Jesus. Like, what is he doing in his life and in his ministry? Well, one way to think about it is, like, Jesus is an invasion of heaven into earth. 
It's like Jesus came as an invasion, bringing the life of heaven into earth. And so it's like everywhere that he goes, it's like heaven is, is pushing into earth. It's like life pushing into a world of, of death and, and sickness. It's like light invading the darkness. And, and when you, if you walked into this room early this morning before the sun was up and you flip the light switch on, the darkness doesn't fight the light. You know, like when you walk into your room at night, it's like you flip the light switch on and the darkness doesn't fight. It's like, no, I don't want to leave. Yeah, you just turn the light on and boom, in comes the light and the darkness is gone. And that's how Jesus is. Like the darkness, it, it, it doesn't stand a chance. Like his perfect light, it shines and it pushes out the darkness. And everywhere Jesus goes is like he's just invading this world of wounds and pain. And everywhere he goes, he's making things whole and he's setting things right. Everywhere he goes, it's like flourishing is happening around him. He's restoring everything he touches. And Jesus, he heals people. These stories that we've been looking at is like he heals and he restores and he makes things right in two ways, with his words and with his touch. I mean, the last story we looked at last week, if you were here, if you remember, was like the Roman centurion who's like, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house and actually lay a hand on my servant. You can just speak a word and my servant will be well. And he did. He's like, go, your servant is well. So Jesus' word makes things whole, and Jesus' touch makes things whole. Jesus can bring heaven to earth. He can bring life into death with word or with touch. Have you ever been in a, in a neonatal intensive care unit, a NICU, at a hospital? Have you ever done that? Um, gratefully, like, I'm very thankful that our children were not premature. They didn't need that kind of care, but uh, as a pastor... I have had several instances where people from our congregation, you know, had children who were born very premature, 20-some weeks, like 22, 23 weeks. And you have a little child who's just like, wow, this, this beautiful child who's, who's just like not, and they're formed, but they're, they're just like not ready to thrive in this world without help yet. And so if you go into a NICU, you, I mean, you got to like, you, you got to you know, clean your hands and put a gown on and a mask on and all that stuff because these children are so, so vulnerable. And, and they create these, like, little artificial environments, like these little cubbies kind of thing that, like, the, the child is in and they're, you know, just the right temperature and, and just the right um, amount of light and, and all of that, and they're getting the medication they need. But these, these little environments that they have set up for these kids, they have holes in them. Like two, usually two holes on either side and holes on the end so that like doctors, nurses, and parents can reach their hands in and touch the child. And you know what they tell parents? Like the risk of like transmitting germs is not so high that they say don't touch your child. They say like your child needs touch. Like they need it. And they, they need you to, to touch their skin and they need you to speak to them. Like they need you to speak to them so they hear your word and they hear your voice. Like human beings need word and touch. You can take a child in an orphanage and you can, um, if a child's in an orphanage and, and they're like, they're just kind of off on their own and, and this is, a, it's a good orphanage and so they like, right, they give this child everything they need, all the food with all of the nutrients they would ever need for their body to grow and to develop. But that child is given food, but they're not given word and touch. That child will not develop. 
right? They need it. It's like fundamental to human beings, like how we were made is we need word and we need touch. And it doesn't stop. We need it throughout our lives. Like think about, I've, I've, again, as a pastor, I've had the opportunity of ministering to people on both ends of life and have sat with people at the very end of their lives on their like, so to speak, deathbed. And again, I don't know if you've been in moments like that with, with your loved ones, like where they're there and they're not likely going to get well on this side of heaven. And so they're there, they're at the end of their life, their, their life is maybe just days or hours or minutes away, and it's like, what do people want? Like, what do you want in those last moments of your life? You know what you want? You want people around you, your loved ones, your family and friends who gather around you, and they read off your bank balances to you before you depart this world. I just want to remind you how much is in your 401k. Right? I just want to remind you of your net worth. That's what brings us comfort at the end of life. You know what you want at the end of your life? You want to be surrounded by your trophies that you won and your accolades and all of that. So you just like pile them up on my bed so I can remind myself of how significant I used to be and how good at stuff I was. You know what you want? You want people, your loved ones, relationships speaking words of love and comfort to you and holding your hand, meaningful touch. Word and touch is what we were made for. It's what we need. Like, you need this, and, and we need it at every stage of our life. But more than anything, what we need is a, at our deepest levels is a word and a touch from Jesus. It's like we need him like the presence of life, the presence of heaven, Jesus, to speak a word of life and to touch our heart at our deepest places. And only this is actually going to make us whole. And we're a small group this morning, and I just came from a conference where people were fired up. So if you could help a brother out this morning, and feedback is okay, like if, if you... Um, if you think it would be appropriate at some point to just like say, hmm, amen, preach it, help him, help him, Jesus, something, something, um, right? Like what we need at our deepest levels is a word and a touch from Jesus. Only that, only his word speaking truth into our lives, only his touch on our hearts is what can actually make us whole. Have you had a word and a touch from Jesus? Like has Jesus actually, like has he touched your heart? Has he spoken a word? Have you like, received his word of life to tell you who you are, that he loves you, that he's given his life for you? His word and his touch. Like Jesus, he, this is how he heals. This is how he heals. Um, and I, I love this. Um, it says after like Peter's mother-in-law, um, after Peter's mother-in-law, it says in verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he just like, he drove out the spirits with a word and he healed all the sick. I mean, people, now, I'm guessing many of us don't have like a well-developed theology of demons and evil, right? I mean, I, it's not something we talk about very often here in like the U.S. and Europe and, and kind of the Western part of the world. Now, if you were to talk to our brothers and sisters from South America and from Africa, they would be very in tune to this, like the spiritual world. But like we, we're kind of like, we live in this bubble where it's like, if I can't see it and experience it, like with my five senses, it's not real. Like, right, this physical, tangible world. And I, that's not the worldview of the Bible. The worldview of the Bible is there is another reality, another realm that can't be experienced with our five senses most of the time. 
and yet it's the most real. And, and so, I'm not going to get into a, a big theology of like demons and possession and all that stuff. I'll leave that for the next time Matt preaches. But um, I do want to say this. I do want to remind, remind us of this. Is like, look at this. These people come in. They're brought to Jesus. Apparently, they can't even bring themselves. Right? They're brought to Jesus. These, these people are, are weak. They're harassed. They're helpless. They're hopeless. And their loved ones bring them to Jesus, the healer. And what does he do? It says he just drives out the spirits with a word. Like the darkness stands no chance in the light of Jesus. Like it just, want to see this, like there is no reason to fear any powers of evil or darkness because just a word in the presence of Jesus like drives these dark powers out of it. These people who were tormented, like tormented by evil, tormented by this, this enemy. And, and I'll just say this, like our enemy, we have one, right? We have an enemy who wants to do what? Jesus says this in John 10.10, the thief, the enemy, comes to do three things. He has an agenda for your life, and it is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And, like, we have to just be aware of that. Like, whatever we think about this, like, we have an enemy who wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus says, but I've come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. You can have it more abundantly that the enemy wants to steal your faith with doubt. That he wants to steal your joy with despair. He wants to steal your life that God has planted in you. He wants to destroy you with sin and with darkness. And Jesus says, like, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest, the fullest kind of life. Like, to just be aware, one, that we have, we have an enemy, that our battle, Ephesians 6.12 says this, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Jesus didn't come into this world as an invasion to like do battle against flesh and blood. He came to do battle, uh, if you can jump back a slide. Um, what is it, slide, um, slide nine there, Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle, our battle, our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but it is against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Like maybe you have people in your life who you think, well, they're probably the enemy, right? They're bad people. And maybe, maybe you just like see them on the news or whatever. I can promise you, if it has flesh and blood on it, it is not your enemy. That's a great thing to remember, right? If it has flesh and blood on it, it is not your enemy. It is not something you are to be fighting. It's someone you're to be fighting for. That's a good place to say, man. Amen. Right? Like the, a human being is not, I'll, I'll help you. It's okay. Um, it's not someone you're supposed to be fighting. It's someone you are supposed to be fighting for because this is a person who has, been, who has been co-opted, who has like, surrendered themselves to like, the enemy, to the thief who, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy their life, right? And, and so Jesus comes into this world as this invasion, this invasion of heaven into earth, and he pushes back against the real enemy, the thief, the evil one, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he brings life, and he just like, speaks a word, and he cleanses these people from um, these powers that they were helpless to fight on their own. He drove them, all these evil spirits, out with the word. And then he just says, he, he just healed all the sick. I love this. He, just, he healed them all. What's the best thing you can do for the hurting people in your life? Do you have people in your life, like this last week, I, there was a moment at Regen where um, there were these two, these two leaders, church leaders from a, a church in Ethiopia. 
It's a, it's a church network in Ethiopia called Maserati Christos. I probably said that wrong. MKC. And this is a, a group of churches, um, Anabaptist churches, just like we are, who have about 800,000 people connected to them. Have been growing, like just a move of the Holy Spirit, growing um, in like by what, 7% a year for, for more than a decade, essentially. Like God is just moving in such powerful ways. And these two men, they, were, they shared a little bit. And, and the, the one gentleman who shared first, he, he gave this very simple message. He says, why would we think we can do divine work with human power? And it just like crushed me. Because like, I know that. Like, I know that. And yet, I just like revert so often back to like, okay, Back to my education, back to my training, back to like my, you know, abilities, whatever, and, and neglect the thing, the only thing that actually has the power to change, which is divine power, is the presence of Jesus. What is the, and so, and so like part of like my response that night was just to say like, to go forward in prayer and to just like, to say, God, I have, I have these people in my life who I love, who are struggling, like who are struggling in, in darkness and patterns of sin or broken or whatever it is, and to just like bring them to Jesus, to his divine power to heal. Because I can't. Like my words can't do it. I have, my presence can't do it. Like I have nothing to offer them except the living presence of Jesus. The very best thing we can do for hurting people in our life is to bring them to Jesus, to hold them out before his presence because only he actually has the power to transform lives and to set them free. What does it look like for you in your life? Like when you're, you've got friends, you've got family members, you've got people who you love so much and you desperately want you desperately want them to not go down this path that's going to hurt them. You know what the best thing you can do for them is to, to bring them to Jesus. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but Jesus will guide you. Like, right? But to pray for them, to intercede for them, to like see Jesus touching them, to like see Jesus speaking a word, to see it in your mind and to pray into that. The best thing we can do, just like these people brought these hurting, weak, wounded people, they brought them to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He just spoke a word and he drove the darkness out. He healed them. And it's like it's not hard for him. Jesus is a healer. He's a healer. This is what he came to do. He came to, and the word for healing used throughout scripture, it's so beautiful. He, he, the word, um, sometimes it's mean, it means to save. Part of the healing that Jesus wants to do primarily is to save us. To restore our life. Um, he wants to rescue us. He wants to make us well. He wants to make us whole. He wants to redeem us and restore us. Like this word used for healing throughout the scriptures, it's, it's like everything. Like Jesus wants to, anything that's wrong, he wants to make it right. Look how this word is used in other places in Matthew. Now, next slide. Like Matthew 121 is like talking about the birth of Jesus. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus wants to heal and deliver us from, from sin and our bondage to sin. Matthew 8, 25. We'll look at this next week. The disciples went and they woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. It's the same word. Heal us. 
Lord, we're going to drown. Like, rescue us from, like, our present danger. Jesus cares about that. Matthew 10, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but anyone who stands firm to the end will be saved, will be redeemed in the end, right? Do you see, like, this word, this, it's all the same word, healed. Like, that Jesus cares about it all. There is not a part of your life that Jesus doesn't care about. There is not a wound in your life that he doesn't see and he doesn't care about. And he wants, to, he wants to redeem and restore. He loves us that much. I love this line from, um, it, from, from a song by David Crowder. It didn't originate with him, but I, I like the way he sings it. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. And do you believe that? Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So... I want to end with I want to end with this. How are we doing? Are you guys okay getting the full load? Is that okay? I can't I can't like okay. Good. Okay. Good. 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 Peter's mother-in-law. I think she for us becomes a model, like, of what it looks like to be healed by Jesus. I think she actually becomes this like pattern of like, what, it, what does it look like when Jesus actually heals our hearts? And, and let me show you what I mean. Peter, Peter's mother-in-law, she's there, she's laying in bed, she's helpless. She cannot fix herself. That's my condition. That's our condition, right? We cannot heal ourselves. We cannot save. We cannot redeem. We cannot restore ourselves. She's helpless. And then she meets the healer. She meets Jesus, the healer. And her response is this. Her response is that she got up and she began to wait on him. Now, you might think, like, well, that's what, yeah. you might think, well, this is a good, you know, Mennonite woman. I grew up in a Mennonite household. And like, how do, how do my mom and my mother-in-law show their love and appreciation? It's you, you feed people. Like, I, it dawned on me at one point, like, I don't know if this is true, like, all around the world, but, like, my mom would, she didn't make food. She never made food. You know what she did? She fixed food. I'm going to fix some food. You know why? Because food fixes everything, right? You're so, oh, we'll fix it with some food. And so it's like, maybe that's what's going on here. Peter's mother-in-law, she stands up and she begins to wait on Jesus. Maybe that's it. She's like, this is her love language. She's going to make food, but I don't think so. Do you know what that word wait means? It's actually the word that is translated throughout the rest of the New Testament, deacon. It means to serve. Like she gets up, she feels Jesus' healing touch. She gets up and she begins to serve him or to minister to him. It's the same word that's used throughout the rest of the New Testament as like this position in the church called a deacon. Like Romans 16 verse 1, it's, Paul says, I commend to you Phoebe, a deacon, a servant, a minister in the church. So like her response to being healed by Jesus is what? It's to serve. Is, is like commit herself to serving him, to ministering, um, to worshiping Jesus. Now, like that, I think that's so beautiful. She got up and she began to serve, to minister to him and for him. And, and one other thing, again, just like behind the text here, is this phrase, she got up. She got up. Now, you could think like, wow, she was sick in bed. She had a fever and, you know, she's like... All that stuff. She's trying to fight it off, and Jesus touched her hand, and she got up. But again, that phrase, got up, it's more powerful than just, like, getting up out of bed. In fact, it is used of Jesus on Easter Sunday morning when, when the text says, he's not here, he has risen just as he said. 
It's like this new life. She got up, was like there was a part of her laying on that bed in that fever, in her helpless condition that died. Like she was, she was dead. And she got up after, to this new resurrected life, after Jesus touched her hand. Next slide, right? It's used in, in Romans chapter 11. It says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus, same word, from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. You see this, like she is this picture of like helpless an encounter with Jesus, the healer, and she got up to this new and resurrected life, and her only response was to serve Jesus, to follow him. Have you ever had a near-death experience? Have you ever had the gift of a near-death experience? So there's this guy, Rick Elias. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He did a TED Talk, like, early on. And um, he, he was on flight, what is it, 14, uh, 1549. You remember that flight out of... Um, is that LaGuardia or Teterboro, somewhere in New York, that they're taking off and they're just gaining altitude and it, they, fly through, they fly through a gaggle of geese. That's what you call it, apparently. And it took out one of the engines. And so Sully, right, is the, the hero of the story. He's the captain of the plane. Sully, there's a movie made about with Tom Hanks. And they're flying and they're gaining altitude and it, one of the engines blows up. And so they, uh, they turn around, and they start making their way back, but they realize they're not going to make it. And so the, Sully lines up the plane with the Hudson River. There's no runway at the end of the Hudson River. And they just barely clear the George Washington Bridge, and from the moment he gets on the intercom, Captain Sully, and he says these words, brace for impact, there's 90 seconds before they hit the water. And Rick Elias was on that plane. He was sitting in row one watching the flight attendants, and he says it was like they shut off all the engines. It was like the eeriest feeling in the world. Just knowing my life is over. This is it. I, this is how I die. And it wasn't scary, but it was incredibly sad. Like he mind just like raced in those 90 seconds of like all the regrets, all the my, places like my ego got in the way and all the things I didn't do with the people I love. And he says like just like seconds before they hit the water, he said he just like, he, it wasn't like rational. He just reached over. And he put his hand on his own arm, and he said, I love you. And I think, like, that's a weird thing to do, right? He's like, I just had this overwhelming urge to touch people I loved and to tell them I loved them. Like, that's what I wanted. And he's like, two weeks later, he was at his kindergarten daughter's, like, music recital. How many of you have endured those? <laughs> right? Yeah. And he's like, there's not a lot of talent at a kindergarten music recital. And he was weeping. He's weeping. You know why? He's like, this is the only thing that matters. This is the only, it's like investing in these people I love. Have you ever had the gift of a, of a near-death experience? It's like, if you have, like, you're going to live differently. You're going to value time differently. You're going to value relationships differently. And Peter's mother-in-law, she has this near-death experience, like where she's laying in bed, she's helpless, she cannot get up, she has an encounter with Jesus, she has this new, like, resurrected life, and she, she, like, begins to serve him and worship him. And this is our story. 
I mean, this is our story. Like, we, in our helpless estate, like, we cannot fix ourselves. And we encounter Jesus, the healer, who with a word and a touch speaks life into us. And we have been given this gift of a resurrected, new, spirit-filled life. And the call on our life is just like Peter's mother-in-law, is to serve Jesus, to serve him, to worship him, to love him, to follow him. And one of the ways we do that is by bringing people to him who need his healing touch, right? Is by bringing, like by being a presence in the world that sees people who are hurting and just like holds them out before the presence of Jesus because he wants to heal them too. And I don't think there's anything in this world that serves Jesus more than us being those who will bring the weak, the wounded, the vulnerable, the hurting, the helpless, the hopeless to Jesus and allow him to speak a word and a touch to heal them as well. Lord Jesus, just like every week we get to get together and just talk about how awesome you are. And let it never get old. Let it never get boring. Let it never lose just that, that awe that you are, that you make yourself available to us. You, you love us enough to just to come to us when we are unable to help ourselves. You're the healer, Lord. And so even this morning, we, we come because we need a touch from you. Like, we need to hear you. We need to feel your, your touch on our lives, God. We need it desperately. And so would you do that? Would you just encounter us today, Jesus? Remove any barriers in our life, any, anything that is, is keeping us from receiving your touch. With your love, with your unfailing kindness, remove those barriers Bring healing and restoration to us. God, the people in our life who we love, who are, who are hurting in one way or another, we, we don't even fully understand all the pain that they carry, and we don't understand why they're making decisions. We don't understand all that they're suffering, and Lord, but you do. And so here and now, in this moment, we bring them to you. So I want to invite you to do this, to just like intercede for your loved ones. Like if there are people in your life who you're just like, you're trying to change them, you're trying to, you want nothing else than to just kind of create circumstances where they're going to fix themselves and get better. Would you just picture this person who you love so much? And just in your mind and in your heart, hold them out to Jesus. Just ask Jesus to, to touch them, to heal them. See it happening, like in your mind. Like, just see Jesus taking them by the hand and them being restored. Lord, you love these people more than we do. You created them. You formed them. You gave your life for them. You love them more than we do. Do what only you can do, Lord Jesus. Do what only you can do. Bring healing and wholeness and restoration and salvation in your name. Yes. Hmm. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our healer. And everybody said, amen.